Hi there, a quick note before the episode begins. Did you know that Mija has her own audiobook with exclusive and brand new material? It's called Mija Podcast, the audiobook, an exclusive and never-before-heard collection of memoirs and reflections by her creator, Lori Martinez, about what it meant to turn her own migration story into a fiction series. When you get Ochenta's audiobooks, you're directly supporting our independent audio series productions. You can find it on Libro.fm, Apple Books, Google Play, Storytel, BookBeat, and on your favorite audiobooks app. Also available in Spanish and French. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Micha, or Binti in Arabic. And this podcast is about my family. Those alive those long gone, and those still dreaming. Here's what you need to know about Omar. He's very kind, he loves deeply, and music is his life. Omar is my brother, so here goes 10 minutes to tell his story. We're in an empty room with a mirror. There's a young man practicing a hip-hop dance. Sweat on his forehead, giving it his all. The music stops and he breathes heavily and smiles. This is Omar, the oldest son of Muna and Abdu. Every morning before school, Muna would pass incense over his head and say, Kul a'udhu bi falaq. Every day without fail, Kul a'udhu bi falaq. It means, I seek refuge with Allah, the Lord of the daybreak. And when I was born and Omar was eight years old, Muna would have him hold me and do the same. Kul a'udhu bi falaq. Every day after school, Ahmad would run to Abdul's shop and keep his father company. His favorite thing about it? The music. In fact, music was always a big part of his life. The story goes that the first time Ahmad heard Egyptian music, he was two weeks old. Muna and Abdul were still adapting to their new life in London. Abdul was working three jobs to cover Muna's maternity leave. Muna was home with a newborn, all alone, thousands of miles from her parents and the community that could help her. After an especially hard day, she bursts into tears. Abdul comes home to find her inconsolable. Without a word, 
He drops everything, grabs his oud, and begins singing to her. She looks up to see Abdul singing to her, and she stops crying. And Omar, the two-week-old in the crib beside her, he smiles his very first smile. Flash forward a few years, and he'd do anything to spend time listening to Egyptian music, especially the Arabic radio in his dad's restaurant. Anyway, now it's the early 2000s and Omar is obsessed with this music. He watches Arabic TV with Muna during Ramadan and mimics dances in the living room. And when we visit Gidda Dawlat and Giddu Marzu in Egypt on holiday, he spends all his time going to see performances of local dancers. So Muna enrolls him in a dance class. It's contemporary dance, though, not exactly what he was expecting. It's a lot slower than the high-energy dancing he likes. There are so many rules. But he enjoys it. Dancing makes him feel alive. Unfortunately, it doesn't really last long. He's the only Egyptian kid in the class, and sooner rather than later, a classmate tells him to go back to where he came from. Muna pulls him out of the class immediately and never says another word about it. But as he gets older, Omar can't just stop dancing. After school, he starts to hang out around Covent Green watching street performers dancing hip-hop. He becomes friends with an Egyptian, a Saudi, and Lebanese dance crew, and soon enough, he joins them, performing at clubs and in squares across London. And at the same time, Abdu never liked this dancing hobby. He always worried Omar won't do serious work if he becomes a dancer. One day, on his way home from work, Abdu's attention is drawn to a kind of Arabic hip-hop beat playing in the street. He walks over to the crowd and sees Omar, dancing with all his might. Their eyes meet, and Omar stops, mid-dance. He can see the disappointment in his father's eyes. Omar rushes through the crowd, and Abdu is on the verge of tears. He tells him he should be ashamed for performing in the street, warning him what would happen to someone like him. How he could dare to become an artist after everything they sacrificed to immigrate to London. How he couldn't become a musician himself because it wouldn't feed his family. They parted ways that day and didn't speak again for a long, long time. Soon after that, Omar went away to uni. In the summer, he would return, but would stay out most days, avoiding Abdul. Meanwhile, Omar's dance career flourished at uni. 
He became the star dancer of his dance troupe and competed in competitions in other countries. Whenever he won an award, he'd send a postcard. Muna would prop it up on the fridge. But when he called, the only one he wouldn't talk to was Abdul. And then again, something huge happens. After years of applying to a dance company in New York City, he's accepted. The night before he leaves, Muna makes his favorite dish, koshari, and prepares a send-off for him at the restaurant. During the dinner, Abdu is still clearly disappointed that his son doesn't have a real job. He sits in the corner drinking shay quietly. Muna nudges Abdu to play some music. Make an effort for her at least. When Abdu finally concedes, he gets up and grabs his oud and begins playing a song for Muna. Muna convinces Omar to start dancing too. The whole restaurant is filled with their music. Abdu remembers his times performing in Egypt and is filled with excitement and joy in the moment. Without thinking, he jumps on Omar for a long embrace and they speak their first words after years of silence. Wahashtini, I missed you. No stranger to travel, Omar is excited to make his way to the Big Apple. He tells Muna that he's following in their footsteps, bringing Egypt even further west. At the door, she passes incense over his head one last time and says, Inshallah khair. Everything will be fine, God willing. He gets on the red eye, and then he's in New York. Omar is given housing in Spanish Harlem. Those first few nights are so lonely. He has seen all the movies about America, but actually being there is so different. Americans think his accent is funny. He often feels that they are surprised that his brown face was dancing and not serving. But he got used to it and even learned a little bit of Spanish to get by in his neighborhood. When he was especially homesick, he'd buy a phone card with minutes on it and call home. Hearing Muna's voice assured him. She knew exactly what to say. On the other end, I'd hear her say, He'd tell me all about New York and how I should come visit. And I did. Twice. The very first time, I went to interview for uni. He came to pick me up with a woman, his girlfriend. Her name was Danielle. She's Dominican. Mona and Abdul had never heard of her. Neither had I, but we quickly became friends. When I left that first time, Omar tells me to keep it a secret. He thinks Mona and Abdul won't understand his love for this woman so foreign to them. I agree. 
and then moved to New York myself. One night at dinner with friends at a restaurant in Little Egypt, the Egyptian neighborhood where they now lived, Omar plays a song and asks Daniele to marry him. At this point, I tell him he has to tell them about her. So then the next time we all go back to Egypt, we're having dinner, and I shove Omar over the table to go ahead and tell him. He says in Arabic, Dad, I'm in love. Abdu says nothing. Her name is Danielli, Omar continues. Abdu says nothing. He gets up and goes to his room and closes the door, still says nothing. Mona, Omar, and I put our ears to the door to hear what's happening. We hear him calling Gidda and shout, He's finally getting married! This podcast was produced by Studio Ochenta. Story by Rana Abdelhamid and Mona El-Bogdadi. Creative director and executive producer, Lori Martinez. Senior fiction producer, Maru Lombardo. Assistant producer, Zeyna Abuel Makarem. Associate producers, Rebecca Seidel and Fadi Samitoson. Original theme song by Gabriel Dalmaso. Sound editors, Luis Raul Lopez-Levi and Maru Lombardo. Special thanks to Sadia Azmat and Alia Moro who advised us on the Arab-Egyptian Londoner experience. In English, Mihav was voiced by Rana Abdelhamid. Rana is also the founder and ED of a nonprofit organization called Malika, which runs self-defense, financial literacy, and healing justice programs, building safety and power for women around the world. You can learn more and support their work at malika.org. Our graphic designer for this season was Sebastian Marquez, and our social media manager is Lisha Lopez. This podcast is available in English, Spanish, and Arabic. You can find episodes from every version plus full transcripts on ochentastudio.com slash mijapodcast. Follow us at mijapodcast on Twitter and Instagram. And if you like the show, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Until next time. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 